Hi, I'm Jeff Wilson, and I have a story to tell about love, magic, or what seems like magic to me, and the powerful role plant medicines had in bringing me back from the depths of depression to a place where I am almost insanely excited about my life. I'm grateful for you to be listening, and my hope is that you will also experience the change you need. Because this podcast isn't really about me. It's about you and your evolution. And it's about the thousands of others, like me, who have had similar spiritual psychedelic experiences from using plant medicines. So get ready to get wiser as you learn from each one of our guests. And the warmest welcomes to the parables of plant medicine. It's time to get wise. Oh, Jeff Wilson here with Coach Stephanie. Um, Stephanie, I know we're not using your real name today, uh, but we've had some interesting um, communications together. Um, we're both in uh, a similar group and uh, doing some of this plant medicine work. And uh, I'm so excited that you uh, are able to talk to me today about your journey into plant medicine, um, your transformation and understanding the transformation from trauma, uh, transforming trauma into that hero story. Um, and, and really talking about, I guess, some of your experiences and some of those of your clients without naming them to, to let people know that psychedelics aren't the scary, mean, crazy thing that our parents might've told us that uh, they are. Um, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Thank you. And yeah. And just to, just to go from right there, talk to me about sort of maybe um, not too much in a little bit of the background, but your first experience of what started to get you into plant medicine. Back in 2016, I went to go work in the Middle East. My daughter had gone to another continent for school and I was in a space of being a single parent all her life and just going, okay, well, what does this mean for me? Like, what's my life going to look like? So I, you know, made this big grandiose move, went to the Middle East, worked there for a couple of years. And when I left there, I, I came out quite quote unquote broken. Um, and at the time, and it was basically that that place broke me and I ended up, um, having a couple of few people that I came across that had asked me, um, questions of going, you know, do you think you might be dealing with PTSD? And by the third time I had heard it, I was like, huh, that's, that's interesting because, you know, someone says it once, someone says it twice, you kind of go, well, maybe. And then third time you're like, okay, something's here. So I really started to sit with this and I started to realize that I really wasn't okay. I thought I would come out of the Middle East, go sit in a yoga retreat and Zen out for three months and get all fixed up and I'd be done and dusted and keep going. And I ended up in a space where I was realized I had broke my own ribs um, due to stretching because I had been in so much physical pain. My body was shutting down. My mental, my mental state was not good. Um, and I ended up trying to find types of healing that I could find when I was down in Costa Rica. And I ended up coming across the words plant medicine in some of these retreats, which I had no, no knowledge of grew up as a you know Mormon girl and, you know, um, never touched drugs, wouldn't even swear, you know, all these things until obviously that changed throughout my teens, but, um, generally not very worldly. And, um, when I started to hear about these plant medicine things, I was reading, about people who were dealing with severe traumas in their life and that it was transformational for them to go through these experiences. So I, be, no, I knew. Can I stop you right there for a second? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and thank you for, for sharing that. And um, I want to be mindful of what you're talking about here right now. When someone tells me they feel broken uh, or they felt broken after an experience and you can decide how you want to respond, it's totally up to you. But uh, can you can you get a it's the Middle East. So the assumptions that come to me is it's a Muslim country. Women are overly celebrated. Um, and um, there's probably a darker side to that than that's there. Was it, and it, it's okay for you to answer this or say, I'm not going to answer it, but was it just the way they treated you there? Or was there a, 
Yeah, PTSD. it's interesting because, because a lot of people consider, you know, coming out with PTSD of something, they could, they think that that's military. They think that I was bombed, I was shot, I was, you know, killed people. That wasn't the case at all. Um, I was working in the Middle East in a hospital setting. I was high functioning. I was in part of a very um, high functioning team for a very, very massive organization and loved it. But what happened was one day I had a comment in a meeting which impacted a local who was one of the wealthiest families, like second wealthiest family in the world. Um, and I made her look bad. And right from that moment on, I was a target. I, what ended up happening was she was threatening my job. I would go into work each day. I didn't know if I was going to be put on a plane or put in jail or allowed to see another day. And when I had given my notice, um, there were situations that were happening such that the CEO of the organization granted me to leave immediately rather than filling up, fulfilling my contract because of what was happening. And wow. this woman managed to step in and stop it all and say, no, you're staying here till the last moment. You're staying here till I say you're done. So it was another two months I had to fulfill. And needless to say, I felt trapped. I felt terrified. I was scared being in the Middle East. You don't know if you end up in jail, if you're going to see the light of day, even if you get a phone call. Um, my bank accounts were, were not accessible to me all of a sudden. I couldn't transfer money out of the country. Um, things like this were happening and my body was shutting down and physically and mentally, I was not coping. My coping mechanism throughout my whole life was the fight or flight, which I learned later. Um, and if I wasn't okay in a situation, I would run. Well, this was the first time in my life I was not able to run. Oh my God. And so this, I'm feeling it here right now. As you say, it, you felt like your life was threatened. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Uh, 100%. Okay. Thank you for sharing it with me because, um, and I, I have rarely met people like that, but I met a few and, mm -hmm. uh, and I was not in a similar situation. I don't even want to say that, but when you meet that person, you're just like, wait, wait a minute, you get some sort of joy out of my suffering Oh, because, 100%. uh, yeah. And that's not something that, uh, I, I mean, for me, I'd usually just, well, you're, now I'm going to get in a fight, but I didn't fight any anybody that was that rich. That could do. Anyway, right. thank you for sharing. Now I understand it. So now you're, you're, you're feeling the feelings that you got there, that PTSD didn't yep. stay there. They followed you to Costa Rica. Oh, 100%. It, yeah. it was not, it did not stop. It did not go away. It did not lessen. It did not, I mean, there was the relief of being, yeah, on, on North American soil when I landed in North America. I mean, like the literally when the, the wheels of the plane hit the ground, I, I was in a childlike cry on the plane mm -hmm. because it was just such a relief that, oh my God, I'm actually safe. Mm -hmm. However, it seemed to, I, and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be good now. Done and dusted. I was always a strong, independent woman all my life. I never rely on anybody. I keep going. I, nothing stops me. And I was being stopped. I was being stopped in my tracks. And this was when plant medicine came along. And when I started to research it, because I'm a scientist and I research everything to death. And I just knew in my core that this was the only chance I did not care if I lived or died. I, I wouldn't say I was suicidal. I've heard, and I didn't really understand ever how to explain this, but I've heard other people actually say it the same way I do is that not that I was suicidal, but I literally did not care if I, I lived or died. If that bus was to come and swerve at me coming down the road, that's it. So what? You're it's living done. your life in a quiet desperation where you feel completely whatever happens, happens. And there doesn't yeah. seem to be a purpose or a vision Absolutely. towards your future. Okay. Absolutely. A tough place to be. So, yeah. But so then it's not, I, it's not devastating. So you don't go see anybody. You're not, you no. know, you're still alive. Yeah. You're just yeah. quiet desperation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I wasn't in the military. I wasn't being blasted at. So, you know, who am I to complain? What do I have yeah. to complain about? I was in the little middle East making a shit ton of money <laughs> working for an amazing organization. Suck it up. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. These were the stories going on in my head were that, you know, you don't have it that bad. What's your problem? But you know what, maybe just sign out because this just really sucks. Like it just was so messed up. I, I, I look back and I still can't really make sense of parts of it. And maybe that is because those are parts that I'm still to work through. So almost like a dream or a nightmare, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I, I, I know what you're talking about. So you get to Costa Rica, you start doing some research on plant medicine. How do you figure yeah. out where to go from here? 
Well, I ended up breaking my ribs because I was stretching out because I was in so much pain and my my body was just screaming back at me and fighting that I ended up breaking my ribs. And what I wanted to do was ayahuasca. So ayahuasca is, I could justify it because it was a natural plant. It's a plant. It's not something that's made in a lab and all these things. So I was like, okay, well, it's not a drug. It's not whatever it's, it's a medicine. So when I was doing that research, I was like, oh my God, I need to do this because if I don't, I'm signing out. If this doesn't work, I'm done. I am absolutely done. So anyways, I break my ribs. I'm signed up for a retreat. They refused me because I was still on antidepressants that wouldn't have been worn off in time. Mm -hmm. And I had broken ribs and you're going to be, it's a purgative. So you can't be purging. Exactly. You don't want to be throwing (laughs) up with broken ribs. It's hard enough to breathe. Right. Then I end up with, you know, uh, a perforated bowel and, or lungs and I die <laughs> because, yeah, exactly. I, you know, so I end up going to where my daughter was in New Zealand and, um, stay with her for three months. And when I realized that I had hit rock bottom was the moment that I'm talking about where I say about the bus, because I was walking down a road and this bus was coming towards me. And I had the conversation in my head going, I could just step onto the road or what if the bus just veered off the road or, you know, and then this could just be all over like, and everybody's life would be better because of this. So when I realized that I'm with the one person in the world, that means everything to me that I still wasn't okay because I thought once I'm with her, I will be okay. And when I realized I wasn't, I was terrified. And this was when I went, I need to go back to Costa Rica because I will not survive if I do not. I knew I wouldn't survive. At some point, I would something would happen and I would just end it. I went back to Costa Rica. And when I went back, the one shaman that I had decided that I would whip, that I felt comfortable sitting with, that I had researched many of them, but this particular one, and I, th- and I said to um, somebody, I said, if he is ever in Costa Rica again, I will do it. Well, here I am going back to Costa Rica. And at the end of that one week period, when I flew in, he was doing a retreat five days later. And I was like, oh my God, this means I have to do it. So that was it. I went to the retreat and there I was with this shaman that I trusted. I, he was very reputable and that was it. My, my, my life's trajectory changed forever at that point. So it sounds like you're, you're hitting a place where you don't care whether you live or die and you should, you know, you should given that you're with your your daughter, the person you care the most about. And there's a synchronicity of sorts where there's uh, somebody that you, you you really trusted and you couldn't get doing it before because of various things. Now you get a second chance. Um, Talk to me about that. That moment. Well, what happens next? So, so I go to this retreat, um, my brother was down in Costa Rica with his, with my sister-in-law and they're probably the closest people on the planet to me other than my, my daughter. And they really got what I was going through because they could see the suffering. Um, they were leery about me going, they were leery about, they wanted to drop me off to make sure I wasn't going to some, you know, half cocked off place in the middle of the jungle that I was going to get raped and whatever. So anyways, they drive me to this place, end up going to this beautiful resort um, and my brother was like, you know what? Good luck. You can do this. And, you know, I had his blessing and I go to this retreat coming into this retreat. We were sitting in a, in a circle and there was probably 35 ish people. And there was a conversation about, you know, who are you? Why are you here? And what are you hoping to get out of this? My story was I've come out of the middle East and I'm broken and I'm just, I, but you know, that whole story mm-hmm. and they broke me and they did this to me. I was a 100% victim and mm-hmm. I needed to be fixed because I had been broken by outside sources and blah, blah, blah. So I end up having this story that base that ramps off that, that is so pillar in my mind is that I said, I don't even know how to explain it. I feel like I am stunted. I feel like I am completely stopped and blocked in my life. I don't know how to move forward. I don't know how to move backward. It's as if I have this massive white wall that goes beyond the sky's limits. I can't even see where it ends. And when I look left or right, there is no end. It just goes forever. I am standing here and I'm helpless. There is, I don't know what to do. And I, there's, I, I just don't know what to do. So I do nothing. And that was really the only way that I could explain it. And, 
it ended up being that I go into the first night of the journey. And so there was two, two ayahuasca nights and there was two major things that happened with me. One of them was, Oh, okay. So it's like the plant medicine. So I take the medicine, I'm scared to death. You know, I talked to the shaman I'm like, Oh my God, you know, da, da, da. and so anyways, he was so loving. And so like, just so intent on giving me the creating this space for me to feel safe mm-hmm. and for safety as, as, as I'm sure, you know, what you hear with people to PTSD, safety just doesn't exist in our repertoire. We don't even know what safety is because we're always trying to create and find and, and create the safety that we don't ever feel that we can obtain. And so here I was feeling very held and very safe with him, but still terrified. So I take this medicine, I take it reluctantly. I take another shot and I'm like, it's not doing anything. And other people are on different planets. They're flying the galaxies. They're sitting with God on the moon. They're, you know, all of this shit's going on around me. And I'm like, these people are fucking crazy. And I'm sitting there looking around going, oh, well, I guess I don't get what they get. So I end up having another cup and then I had five cups that night. Some people had one. Most of the people had one. I had five. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I get this message of, oh, so this discussion about the wall. It's like the medicine was coming to talk to me. It was this discussion about this white wall. And I'm like, yes, it's this white wall, it's there, and I can't do anything, and poor me, and oh my God, and poor me, and oh, they did this and all this stuff. And the message I got was so profound, was you really think, you really think that they did this to you? And of course I had a fight. I had to fight because my it was real. Oh yes, yeah. I was a victim. So I'm fighting this process and I'm like, no, of course they did. Of course they did. But you don't know. You don't know. And then I got to a space where I was so broken and just torn down and just worn out and exhausted through this experience that it was like I finally was able to listen. And the message I got was nobody can put this wall up in front of you. Nobody can do this to you. You did this to yourself. This you created to protect yourself. Mm. And the message I got was this protection was what I had been protecting all my life. This fight to protect whatever it was I felt I needed to protect. And I don't need to go into all the different things because there's everybody has so many. So then I get this beautiful message and just this overwhelming love and comfort like from this like a mother parental figure, like I had never, ever felt in my life. It was like, you know, you did this and it's okay because you needed to do it. And the beauty of it is that you don't have to have anybody else take this wall down. You don't need to rely on anybody to come and do whatever for you or help you or rescue you because you can do this yourself. You put it there, you can take it away. And it was like, I was just dumbfounded because the concept didn't even ever occur to me. So then this was what sent me on to my exploration of looking at my past traumas and realizing what it was that created this wall in my life. It's funny how um, walls are, are, are always seen because it's human relationships. So you have these walls up, you have this thing up, and normally they have a negative connotation, like you won't let me in. Yeah. And and so culturally, I think we, we get this negative um, uh, idea about what walls are. Um, just like, uh, you know, there's certain things uh, about us uh, in our pasts and, and where we are, where the more we hate that thing, or the more that we give that, you know, this is bad, uh, yeah. the less we understand it. And uh, the good thing about walls is they keep bad stuff out, but they also keep good stuff out. And so so now you have to now play this far more dangerous game of, okay, how do I let someone in? Because I can't, I'm, you probably feel all alone surrounded by a wall, which has a, which had a very, very good, um idea to protect you had a good mm-hmm. function to protect you and now that protection is not allowing you to live
Hi, I'm Jeff Wilson, and uh, I'm super happy that you're enjoying the Parables of Plant Medicine podcast. If you have any interest of becoming a plant medicine coach like I did, if you are uh, fooling around with uh, psychedelics, uh, magic mushrooms, DMT, all that other stuff, and you're wondering what to do with all this crazy stuff that's starting to happen to you, please, please, please get with the people that have been doing this for years. Uh, Be true to you is an organization that I'm a coach with and I trained for 30 weeks with them to get it done. Uh, All the affiliate links for me are on there. Uh, Do some research, click into those links, what interests you the most, purchase there and get a little bit of cut for sports the work we're doing here in Costa Rica. But uh, I gotta tell you, uh, it's the best decision I made. And if you feel a little bit lost and a little bit unfocused and a little bit like there's a new place that you need to go join us uh in whatever way possible we'd love to have you or just keep listening to the podcast thanks so much it's time to get wise absolutely i was killing myself with it i was so alone and so isolated and so protected like of what it was i was protecting god only even knows because i wasn't allowing myself to live fully live and fully experience. So you hear yeah. this message, and uh, we always talk about integration, and it's, it, and that is such a slippery slope when you get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that you remember it so intently, it sort of stays with you. Um, oh, yeah. were you how were you able to integrate the experience? What happened uh, next? What started to change? And then how did you fall down and come back from it again if you did? Well, A big part of it was, was that I was able to start to look at my life for what it truly was and not what I thought it was and able to look at, and I was able to find spaces because, okay, I was very, like, like I say, strong, independent. Like if someone was to describe me, they'd be like, holy crap, she's a go-getter and nothing nothing affects her and nothing stops her. And if she wants something, she's going to go for it. And no one's going to fuck with her because God forbid, (laughs) like, you know, and not that I was a horrible person, but if I had a reason, you know, to stand for something, there was nothing that was going to stop me. Um, So what I realized was that some of the stuff that I realized, I mean, if I think of the top of my head was that this strong, tough demeanor, this strong and not, not mean tough, but just tough. Like I, you know, I could take things, I could do things. I was, you know, you give me something, I could do it. Like, you know, I, I could get through it and I could do whatever I realized was so harsh in some respects and very scary for people. So what I was doing with that was keeping people out because they, didn't want to be challenged by me or I don't, I don't even know really how to explain it. It it allowed me to soften a lot of my edges and to realize that I didn't have to have this strong protective wall, this massive, like, you know, unsurmountable wall surrounding me because there was really no need for it. Um, That if I was able to really trust my heart and my intuition, that the right people are going to show up for the right reasons in the right spaces at the right time. And I can trust that I'm going to be okay. That is an intellectual and slightly emotional moment. Having said that, if that wall isn't respected or isn't cut with love, it's hard to make that thing disappear, right? You got to like transform it. Yes. And, and I'm not going to lie. I would, I would have to say that I would say, so this has been what, two and a half years, roughly that wall has gone up and down. I love it. Yeah. That wall has gone up and down. So but it wasn't moving before, but it was not know, moving. So oh, no. It just got bigger and better and stronger and wider and thicker, you know, and, and all that. And, and this is this, okay. This brings up a thought is that this is what I think is so important with plant medicine is that it is not the magic bullet. It is not the take one, do one yeah. done and dusted. This took time for me. This took spaces of me not knowing how to integrate. So this was, I didn't really know how to integrate for that first six, eight months. And people talk about integration, but no one showed you what integration was. No one prepared you for, like no one was doing this. So what was happening was I was having these ebbs and flows where I would come in and into this healing. And then I would go back into my old ways of being come back in, back in. So I ended up doing, so it's, it's funny how you ask about how that changed going forward. So this is, this is really, okay. You're getting me to what really happened. I went and I did 12 sessions of ayahuasca 
I don't know if you know how, how crazy that is. Okay. I was so desperate for healing that I went back 12 times. So over the course of six months or sorry, 10 times, I went over the course of six months, 10 times, each session is anywhere from eight to 10 hours. And they say that that one night is equivalent to 100 hours of therapy. So here I've done 10 of them. Okay. So you can count up the hours pretty quick. That's insanity. That's insane. So I was coming out of this going, okay, why am I, I, I know I've improved and I know I've made strides and I know all these things and I know I'm not suicidal anymore, but why am I not where I feel I quote unquote should be without using the word should too powerfully there. Mm-hmm. It's just, if I've done this many hours, why am I, why am I still struggling? So this was where I came into a coaching community where I just, the, the ways of, of getting to this space, it, it I don't think it really matters, but I ended up having this awareness of this coaching community and it focused on integration and plant medicine and addiction. And I was just like, okay, you know what? Today I stop. I'm not doing any more plant medicine. I'm done. I'm walking away. I'm done from this, not forever, but I'm done for now. Because if I haven't learned what I needed to learn with a hundred, what a hundred hours of plant medicine, something is missing. So this is where I went. I'm going to stop, do the six month course not touch any plant medicine. And then, and then if I feel at some point that there's time to step into it again, then I will. Otherwise I won't went through that whole process, did an amazing program. It was incredibly challenging, confronting, um, wanted to quit so many times because it was coming up against my stuff. And this was where the integration was happening. I was able to see the spaces that I wasn't willing to look at authentically before they might've been shown to me, but I didn't know how to work through them. I was learning how to face them, work through them, sit with them. And finally, for the first time in my life, start feeling what was there rather than just exploring what was there. Like I wouldn't say first time feeling, but really like out of the plant medicine, out of the psychedelic space to be able to now go, this is what's actually happening. Wow. So when I came out of that coaching experience, I went into my first MDMA experience, which that might be a whole, like that might be another side to it. (laughs) Who you want to talk to if you want to get to that or not, I don't know. Let's just Uh, go back for a second here because I I love where you're going. And uh, you said there, you moved from feeling to exploration and I imagine there are feelings in that exploration just as there are explorations while you're feeling something um they're not they're they're not one or the other they're they're sort of in there how do your feelings change when you're exploring so going through the integration process is that yeah that's i think what we're talking about right yeah yeah so one thing that i did realize was that with this this way that i came out of the the middle east like how i ended up like birthing to that space was that i realized that i did not feel i just didn't feel because feeling meant that if i felt happiness i felt sadness and if i felt the sadness i would feel happiness. And it was like, I couldn't oscillate between the two. I didn't, I, it was like my, my mind, my soul, my body was shutting down from all of that. So I just became, I was very numb. And I think I was very numb all of my life actually. So coming to the space of, oh my God, that's, that's what it's like to feel. That's what true sadness feels like to sit in. It was terrifying, Jeff. I, literally got to a space of when I started to really feel was I got back to that space of where I was when I came out of the middle East, where I just wanted to sign out because it was too much. I realized I never was allowed to feel as a child growing up, because if I did, it was criticized. It was wrong. It was bad. It was shut down. I was, you know, it was all of these things. So, so you're turning back into a teenager with feeling things for the first time, like you're like you're 12 again, or like you should have had in your life. And so now your feelings aren't just feeling something you've had in the past. They're almost new feelings that make you go back to, and we all know how it's, or I know how absolutely. it's saying I was a teenager. And so now you're, you know, weddings and funerals, weddings and funerals. That's all you're, yeah. you're dealing with at that moment. And um, that, 
Yeah, that's scary. It, and and just to bring anybody who's listening around to that, it's also very beautiful in the sense that I think that at times um, you can be devastated by seeing an animal hurt or you can start to cry with tears of joy watching a sunset. You start to feel in a way that's so extreme, it almost takes over you. And there's something really powerful about feeling that emotion and very scary. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And so yeah. what what happens next after you get back to the place that you didn't really want to, that you wanted to get away from? Well, so this is interesting because when I say I, I did the ayahuasca ceremonies, and I mean, I learned a lot and, you know, I would feel stuff, but then I would come out of it and it's almost like I would numb myself again because it was just, I didn't have the guidance and someone like, exploring this path with me. I felt very alone. I had friends that were in the medicine and whatnot, but you know, they just talk about their experiences and you just talking about your experiences is not integration. All right. So now we're, we're into February of 2020. Okay. So I started this path in, um, April of 2019. So we're now a year later and I, and I've gone through 10 ayahuasca ceremonies. I took six months off and then I went through this coaching program and then I go to do MDMA because I'm like, you know what? I'm ready to dive in. I wasn't crazy about doing a manufactured drug, but when I realized that there was all of this uh, research and stage three trials that were being done for phase trials being done for MDMA assisted psychotherapy, I was like, you know what? This is my next step. This is where I'm feeling called to go. If it, this is a space where it allows you to go in and you feel, I was ready to feel because I knew I had the support. I knew I had the, the integration set up. So I go into this, this particular evening of MDMA and I have a lot of pain. I still actually do have some pain in my body, but that time I had so much intense pain in my body still just from the physical. And, and it's all, it's all the mental that's, that's creating my physical. And so I was like, okay, if I go through this process of finding pain in my body, I can discover what it is that's causing this pain. So it was almost like going in to find it and then coming out with the answers. So I'm in this evening of MDMA and MDMA, um, if people don't know, maybe know what it is, is an empathogen. It is, it works to open the heart. It works to put down your defenses. It works to shut down the amygdala, which is your fight or flight, which is what I was, I'm classic for. I've got it perfected. Um, I did it for 48 years, 49 years. And what this does is allows you to shut down the amygdala, the fight or flight and come to your prefrontal lobe and use rational thinking and working through things. So all of these things were beautiful and, and your defenses go down. So I'm doing MDMA and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I just, I'm, I'm happy. Like I, okay, you know, everything seems beautiful and okay, well, nothing's really happening. Cause it, it's not like the psychedelic experience that you get with ayahuasca or iboga or um, psilocybin mushrooms. It's very different. You don't get the visual, you don't get anything, but you get very, very high sense sensory um, stimulation. So, so when you say high sensory stimulation, are you talking about your five senses or like the, more like in so your like, body? Uh, like the felt experience, like the emotional, okay, yeah. emotional felt experience. It can be sensation, like um, emotional, sen emotional is kind yeah. of what comes up. Okay. So what I did was I had gone through this process of with, there was someone that was able to come and sit with me. She wasn't a therapist, but she was someone who was supporting and oh my God, it was one of one of the most powerful experiences I have ever, ever had. And she sat with me for, oh gosh, well over three hours. And I'm not one to open up to people much or haven't been in the past. I wouldn't say that now. I wasn't in the past one to open up. You wouldn't really know my story. I would always, you know, just sort of brush over things and, and you know, just dismiss things and whatever. And, and, and nothing was that big of a deal. I was able to allow her to sit in space with me and see me be vulnerable. I had asked her to ask me continually throughout the evening what my intention was, because what I wanted to do was get through the superficial going into medicine. This is my intention. I want to feel love. Okay. So I want to feel, I want to be a kinder person. I want to understand, you know, the, whatever the meaning of life, whatever it might be. I wanted her to get down to that raw state of what I really wanted to fucking know. Wow. So 
throughout the evening, she would ask me this. I would say to her, could you ask me again? And she would say, absolutely. And she would say, you know, what's, um, your, intention? what's your intention? And I, and I ended up coming out with these, it was, I called them equations, but they're not really equations. They, I was calling equations at the time because I was on drugs. <laughs> I was on medicine, but it was like, um, perfection equals control equals pain. And Sorry, say it again. It, like perfection equals control, which equals pain. Because wow. I had so much pain with my body, and then the. We're the just next gonna just a second. I just want to sit with that for a second. Perfection yeah. equals control, which equals pain. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, and then the next one. So, and the way that I was doing this was really like she would ask me, and I would sit there, and I wouldn't just answer her. I would sit there, and I would go within my body, and I would explore, and I would allow my body to feel what it was feeling what I was thinking, what the emotions were that coming up. And then all of a sudden I would think of something. It would be like, oh my God, perfection. I've got this perfection story in my life. And then that's kind of how that came up. And then it was like, okay, well, this perfection has been so controlling in my life that, you know, I, you know, and whatever that would mean. And then the next thing was, is that this whole story in and of itself has created this pain in my body because I can never win. It's never good enough. It's never okay. So anyways, and I'm just like, I don't really understand what the hell this means, but I was just coming out with this stuff. And then the next one was um, connect. Oh, so I had said to her, she was sitting in front of me and this was so powerful. It seems so simple, Jeff, but oh my God, so unbelievably powerful. And I will never forget this moment where she asked me what my tension was. And I went, and this was like three, four hours into the journey. And I looked at her and I'm just staring at her. And as I'm looking at her, I'm, I'm getting emotional and I don't even really know her that well. And I'm like, what is the problem here? <laughs> so at one point I was just like, is it okay if I just touch your knee? And she looked at me and smiled and she said, of course you can. But for me, this strong, independent, powerful force, independent, never married, single mom, all her life. Like what the hell am I doing asking a woman if I can touch her knee? Like this was just fucked up. Wow. Right? Yeah. So I don't know if that makes any sense to you. But no, it, was, it totally uh, does. It's because now you finally, it feels like you brought down the wall yeah. and you're gently going to do something you've never done before. Right. And it's so simple and basic as touching someone else's knee. Right. And you're like, I dipping your toes into and i'm like and at the same time i'm like tammy why are you doing this this is (laughs) fucked up you don't do this shit like stop it like what's going on and and then of course she's so loving and she's like of course you can and i was just like and as soon as i started to reach out and got even close to her knee i started to cry and as soon as i touched her i was in this childlike belly cry like i have not cried i don't know ever if like if I don't even know if or when I was crying and she didn't interrupt. She allowed me to go through this whole proceed, this whole experience. And I was just like, what is wrong? And she goes, it doesn't matter. Just sit with it. Just be with it. Let it out. Let it flow. Never in my life was I able ever able to let it flow, let it go, let it pass, watch it move, watch it evolve and then be okay. Those phases never were part of my repertoire. So when I came to this, it was this connection equals pain equals control. Connection equals pain equals control and perfection equals control equals pain. Right. So lots of things you were doing was creating pain. I just want to go back for a second. I think I heard you right. And, and I just want to do this. Your, your question, the question she was asking you was, it, it was, what is your intention or where is your tension? Where is my, in, what is my intention? Uh, because it sounded, and I'm wondering if yeah. there's a connection between tension and, in the body and your intention. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And, and it's interesting with, that you say that because I, I, I get why you're saying that. And the, the thing about the intention was the question I was asking myself to myself was, why do I have so much pain? Why do I have so much pain in my body? And so the stuff that was coming out was that I wanted connection, but when I would have connection, if I would even get close to even considering having connection, it would create this pain, which was a control issue in my life. Either people would control me 
or I could control the situation by, by refusing to create this connection. Like this was, it was such a play on all of the words, which I did not understand at the time at all. And it wasn't until I went through coaching sessions afterwards that I saw this connection. What ended up happening, if, it, if it's not too much for me to go into, which was, which was huge, was there was at the very start of the night, there was three or four different areas that you could be in the house, plus you could have a room to go to. And I said, well, I'm going to go to my room because I like to be alone and blah, blah, blah. Well, literally I realized that's my story. She likes to be alone because then she can't be hurt, right? So, but then they said to me, oh, well, you're going on MDMA. You're not going to want to be alone. You're going to want to be chatty and talking. And I said, oh no, you don't know me. So anyways, I end up being in this communal room and it was in the most beautiful room in the house. There was a fireplace, a lambskin rug, a sheepskin rug, and it was just absolutely gorgeous and candles everywhere. So when I was there at the very start of the night, everybody else left the room and went somewhere. And there was one other guy in there and he was about six, eight feet away from me laying down in front of the fireplace. And I was aware of him and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to eventually get up and, you know, I can leave him to himself because that's my story. I can't bother anybody and I'm going to go and I'm going to just do my thing and whatever. And so anyways, I end up staying there and all of a sudden about 45 minutes, an hour later, I end up looking over and he's gone. And I'm like, huh, he left. Okay. Story. First time it came up. Then when this woman comes around, and before I got into this whole, these equations, I, I ended up saying to her, when she sat with me, I said, can I ask you a question? And I said it like a little girl. I said, can I ask you a question? <laughs> and she goes, of course you can. And I said, and I'm talking like a five-year-old, right? I'm like, where, where did everybody go? And she didn't answer me. And I said, did they leave because of me? Oh, my God. And she went, oh, interesting you'd say that and i thought what the fucking kind of answer is that like that is no answer you were not answering me where the fuck did they go did they leave because of me and she wouldn't and she didn't answer my question and i'm like okay that was annoying so then we get we fast forward okay we do all these equations and then the very end of the night we're getting into the last half hour wrapping up of the medicine experience there's a whole bunch of people in, I want to say a whole bunch, everybody else, which is about eight other people were in the kitchen, which was just off from the room I was in. And we were told that the room I was in, if you were going to be in there, you'd expect that you could be bothered. There could be people talking that if you need to be alone, you need to go somewhere else, that this is a communal area and blah, blah, blah. So clearly in my mind, this is a communal area, but I was there all by myself. So fast forward to the end of the night, this woman is still with me. And everybody's in the kitchen eating and laughing and joking. And her and I are still sitting there and I'm still journeying. And all of a sudden I'm looking in the kitchen and then I'm looking in this room that I'm in and there's just her and I still, and I looked over in the kitchen and she just looked at me and smiled. I said, can I ask you a question? <laughs> Again, like a little five-year-old. And she goes, of course you can. And I said, why is everybody not in here? Is it because of me? If I wasn't here, would they come in? And she literally looked at me stunned. And she kind of was taken aback and she went, interesting you'd say that. Mm -hmm. So that was left there. I went into my coaching session. Um, so the next day I wake up, I feel great. The following day I wake up, I feel like I want to basically die. <laughs> I was so broken. I didn't care if I got out of bed. It was like that moment of, I didn't care if I lived or died. It was like, why am I even doing this? This is so fucking hard. This world is just too much. I can't do this anymore. I was feeling so much. It hurt so bad. I was shutting, I was feeling. So I ended up in a coaching call with a very dear friend of mine because he saw how much I was struggling. What ended up, I ended up discovering was that I was now feeling so deeply for the probably one of the first times in my life that I did not know what to do with it. It was so much. If I felt the good, the bad, all of this, it was just overwhelming and so deeply painful. And all of these feelings that I was never allowed to feel were coming up and I did not know how to handle them. And this person that I was coach that was coaching me, so beautifully brought me into a space of understanding these equations of how I was talking about when I, when I'm always striving for that perfection, because I was never good enough. I was never okay. I was never all of these things. Never, I was never enough. 
I was never worthy. I was never like, these were the stories that were running that these were the control patterns that I had in order to remain safe. Yeah, and perfection is such a tough one because if you want yeah. something, you perfect something, in yeah. that moment it can no longer be perfect because you can improve upon it. So there's never a break. There's never an end. You're yeah. never, you never arrive. And also, too, this connection, connection to people, connection to, to a spouse, a partner, anybody, any type of heart connection was too painful. And if I was in it, they would control me and I could not handle it and I would just, just fail out. But the beautiful thing about this, where did everybody go? Did they leave because of me? This broke the major trauma story of my life. I was put on a train from the East coast of Canada. I woke up one day, there was a bag at the door. I was seven years old. I was the youngest of three children, family divorced at the age of one. When I turned one, I wake up to a bag at the door and I'm like, Oh mom, what's this here for? Like, what's going on? Are we going on? Cause my, she worked for CN railway. And so we would often go on train rides and she's like, Oh, you're going on a fun little road trip. So I end up getting, you know, an hour later or whatever, taken to the train station and I get dropped off and handed over to an 18 year old woman. Um, that's going to take me on a fun little road trip. My dad comes running in my stepmother, my brother and sister, or my brothers and my stepsister, my stepbrother, and everybody's screaming and crying. And I'm like, why is everybody upset? I'm going on a little road trip. I'm going to be back. Well, next thing I know, I'm on a train for seven days all the way across the country to British Columbia to the hands of a man I never, ever had known or met or anybody in my family had ever known or met. And I was with him for three months before my mother showed up and then she was going to marry him. My life was forever changed, turned upside down, flipped around every which way possible, and I did not understand it as a seven-year-old child. My story growing up, which I realized, was that as long as I was taken away and removed from the situation, that everybody else was going to be okay, and everybody else would be fine and happy. So as long as I was put away, life would go on. Great. Conversations with aliens being pulled into other dimensions and being lit on fire energetically to align my chakras. Those are some of the things that happened to me, which I talk about in my book, Evolve, The Parables of Plant Medicine. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I'm Jeff Wilson. I love doing it. And I hope this helps you on your journey as well. Um, in order to keep it going, and if you want a copy of my digital book, uh, feel free, by donation only, any amount uh, over 10 bucks will work. Um, go ahead and PayPal me at jeffwilson72, G-E-O-F-F-W-I-L-S-O-N, 72 at gmail.com. And if I get that, then I will send you over a PDF copy with the code. It will be locked and uh, excited for you to join. Uh, other than that, please keep listening and enjoy the next part of the parables of plant medicine. It's time to get wise. I always had the story of if anybody's upset or if people aren't doing what I think that they should be doing or what they would normally be doing, then I've got to be doing something wrong and I need to leave so that everybody else can be okay. That was the story of why is everybody not in here? Should I leave? And then they'll come back in and they can all be happy. Never in my life was I allowed to experience that that even happened. I was never allowed to talk about this experience ever happening. I was never able to allow to say that it was not okay. And it was the one moment in my life that changed me forever. And I never understood it. And this is where trauma comes in so powerfully is that when we're children and we don't have the capacity to understand what has happened in that space, we will create whatever story we need to create to be able to get through it. And most oftentimes we will make ourselves wrong because if we make those wrong who are around us, they're the ones that are there to protect us. And if we blame them and make them wrong, we are not safe. 
because we as children rely on them for our very everyday survival, which I relied on my mom for, which I could not make her wrong, could not make her any of these things. I could not talk about it. I could not. And even going to the Middle East was, I need to get out of here because things are not okay. And when I could not get out of the Middle East because things were not okay, my body shut down, my mind shut down, my soul shut down, my spirit shut down. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back to say, you've got to look at your shit because you are not living. Wow. So that story, thank you for letting me share. That is really what brings a lot of this all full circle for me was that that moment that I realized that I actually had a true story. I had a reason to feel that life was not okay and that I could now express it. I could now feel it. I was able for the first time in my life to feel that what happened to me was not okay. Because my story all my life to anybody that would ever ask me, so where are you from? I was born in New Brunswick and I, you know, took a track, I was put on train and I, I, I went to BC and I grew up out West. That's it. That's what my story was until I turned 49 years old. How do you feel about that story now? I mean, for, so just this is my story doesn't compare. Another thing that I realized when I was, my father, Claire, I was adopted and my father, Claire, died 18 months after I was born of cancer. And uh, I realized in university, all my relationships were about 18 months. And there was this thing where I stopped loving people that I loved um, after 18 months because I hadn't, that, this is not an 18 month old kid that you lose somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And I, even with my awareness of that, I would still get that feeling that oh, I'm bored or you should be gone now, you know? And, and so I uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. And so I think you, you, you know, you speak volumes to how our childhood moments can, can have an effect. And if we don't get into them and, and, and rewrite the story, whether we make it, uh, it, it can have a, um, it can make us feel out of control and, um, yep. and, and control those in ways that can. Um, so for me, now I, I, you know, I try to play with it and, and that might be more difficult for other things. But for me, I'm like, oh, just start another 18 months, you know, with the same person mm-hmm. or something like that. But just to, not to say, this is my way and this is how this is going to be bad, but to try to play around with it a little bit more, this might not be something that you can play around with too much, but how it sounds like when you break into a story, I've always heard that when you start to feel, you start to heal. Yes. And it sounds like you are well on your way. It doesn't sound like there needs to be an integration process to something so emotional and so evident that it changed uh, uh, something you believed about yourself for, for a long time. You know, the biggest part of that integration part was having somebody help me un- unravel all of mm. what that meant of what it was. Why was this coming up? Like, I did, why was I saying these things? Like, why did I have this grieving when I was like, Oh my God, why is nobody in here? And all of a sudden, in that just, voice. Yeah. 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 And I couldn't, I was so disconnected that I couldn't create the links and it, it literally took, and it wasn't like someone told me, this is what's happening here, Tammy. It was someone was able to lead me down a garden path that I was always too scared to do on my yeah. own. Yeah. And it was someone that was lovingly holding my hand and saying, it's okay. And you didn't deserve that. that or, was or you didn't create it. I didn't you thought create you created it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I of course, you didn't deserve it, but first of all, you you thought you created it, right? And then you continued to to you continued to reinforce a behavior by doing that throughout your life for forty nine years. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Now it's now it's hardwired, right? Oh, I had perfected it. I mean, every relationship <laughs> I was in, as soon as someone would make me feel, you know, that I wasn't whatever the situation or feelings that would come up, I would be like, okay, fuck you, I'm out of here. I'll show you. I'm gonna leave, and you're gonna, I'm gonna be fine, and did it, and I'm just gonna move on. And I have done that so well throughout my life that when I look back, it, 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 I really take a pause because I didn't even think twice. It was so, so deeply ingrained in me that this is just what people do, like. This is what you need to do, Tammy. Just do it and move on. 
Like that's it. No questioning of why this was happening, why this continued on all of these things. And, and I guess it, it also allowed me to, because the stories of, so I have a month, a mother that is quite mentally unstable and my two older brothers were both put into mental institutes by her because she couldn't handle them. And I was always told this story of that. I was the lucky one. I was the lucky one because she took me out West and I got to be out here and I didn't get put in the, and I'm just like, wow. So, okay. Not only was I not allowed to ever talk about it, but now I was now the lucky one. Right. So all of my life until my brothers didn't even know the story. Like they had, this is what's so unbelievable about childhood is that they had created a completely different story about me coming out West. They were like, you got in the car with her and you guys went on this big road trip and you did this nice little vacation. You end up going out West and you live the glory life out there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, you know, it didn't happen that way. And um, it's all a matter of perception and the stories that we create around that in order to be able to survive. My brothers needed to create that story in order for them to be able to be okay with her leaving because what, like, fine, fuck you. We don't need you. So now they can be angry with her and they can move on and also resent me. So it was, it was, it was, so my point, sorry, my point to saying this about my mother is I resented her all my life for her taking me away from my family. Like she had no right. I didn't ask for any of it. It was just decided it was done. I've come to a space of realization that she really is not mentally stable, never has been. And that that's a real, a real tragedy really, because it has affected so many people's lives. But at the same time, I always thought if she really loved me, she would have done it differently. She would have left, you know, stayed there and all the, the, the whole story would have been completely opposite. What I've been able to come to is a space of that, obviously in her mind, on some level, she felt that she needed to do this in order for me to be safe in order for her to be okay, would be to have me take me wherever it was, not saying it was right what happened, but to be able to come to this, this place of peace, of understanding that she didn't do it to destroy me. She did it out of love. I truly believe she did it out of love, but did it translate that way? No. My mother loved me so much that she risked sending me all the way across the country on a train for seven days with an 18-year-old. She risked sending me all the way across the country to a stranger that she had never met in hopes of being able to keep me because my dad was trying to take me away. And then she was going to lose her last child. All of the, like, I, I, I think of what would a mother be going through to be in the space of desperation to go through such extremes, which most people would never even dream of doing, but not saying it's rational, but the fact that at least I can be left at the end of the day going, wow, she loved me so much and was so desperate that that's what she felt she needed to do. It wasn't because she hated me and wanted to destroy me and how badly could she fuck me up? Like that, which were always the stories of the scripts that went through my mind all my life. And I was able to come to this space of really like having some compassion for the space that she must've felt that she was cornered into at that time to make such an extreme move. I mean, um, when I listen to the story and, and if I try to look at it, this is in my imaginary way, it's almost like she took her heart and put it on that train to protect it. Yes, yes. Right? And, uh, and, uh, and so as much as <laughs> it's, what's this, how's the song go? We only hurt the ones we love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, and uh, I, and I think that's all. Yeah. Part of that, but I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so happy that um, you've shared this with me. It's given me a really good understanding of what plant medicine uh, can do, and in other ways that it can help, other than than my experiences. Um, it it and, never would have happened without plant medicine, and 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 that's, I guess, it, like just if we were to sum this up, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Jeff, I, I never ever would have, I don't believe ever would have come to any of these spaces and many others that we haven't even touched on without plant medicine. The MDMA allowed me to have, and ayahuasca allowed me to have 
a 360 degree view of perspective rather than my one degree of that, that, that fucking soapbox that I had to stand on all my life and scream at the top of my lungs of why I was right. And why I was, you know, it was now I was able to go, okay, you know, maybe there's some other sides to this. I'm not considering. And I was able to look at how others, this situations may may be viewed in other ways, not to say they're right, wrong or whatever, but just to have that openness of that perspective that I don't know everything. And my stories are maybe not that, you know, it, it, it just allowed me to open up my heart, allowed me to see a variety of different beautiful possibilities. Yes. You're moving. It feels like this is a perfect story of, trauma into transformation and it's still Absolutely. going and it's going through there um and as I, i'm so happy that, that that you're able to share that with me i think it's an amazing i think this this type of conversation could scare people off um from it so i just i just want to come back here for a second and go let's talk about how you're different now compared to where you were without um, getting too much to do. And, and I'm going to selfishly go first and sort of say, since I've been introduced to the plant medicine, um, and mine, mine is more the golden teacher mushrooms um, all the time. Uh, life just got better in general, like music sounds better. Um, my uh, uh, visuals, but the things look better. Um, you get information from different sources that aren't the news. Um, and whether those information sources are real, imagined, or remembered, uh, they typically are are profound or can be. And it's everyone that's seen me in the last two years since I've been doing it has said I'm lighter than I ever have been, and I mm -hmm. dance a lot more. Since the experience and the journey that you're on, what, what sort of good things uh, have shown up in your life now? Oh, I, you know what, my daughter and I, our connection, like I, we've always been super close. She's my person in the world and I'm hers. And, um, our relationship does not exist on codependency at all in any way, shape or form. And it would have before, and it did before it's come, it comes from a space of authenticity. Um, the, the ability to, to, to be who we are individually, but still be incredibly connected and not one reliant on the other. Like she's not responsible for my happiness. And I'm not responsible for hers. Um, our separation is incredibly painful. She's on another continent and with 22 months with COVID and her being gone, I, our, the, the pain there of us being separated is very real. But the one thing that I have learned with plant medicine and that she has, she has experienced from my experience, cause she won't, she, she's not, open to trying these experiences yet she's considering now she before it was a flat out no now she's considering is that we get that we are connected without space time and distance the distance is the physical part of it where we actually get to physically touch each other like in this on this earthly surface but on on a different level our souls and our spirits are connected yes 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 no one can take that away from us because it's almost as though we don't just exist on this plane we exist on i don't know what to call it jeff and i don't even want to try to say because i don't get that particular type of an answer in journeys where some people do but yeah. some people will say on an astral plane that there's this whole other dimension that we could exist in out of you know without time and distance and i i've experienced on a felt sensation but a logical and understanding sensation i don't i can't even begin to speak to but i do have this sense of knowing that we are connected whether or not she is eight thousand miles away or right in this room the felt sensation might be a bit different in the physical world, but on the emotional, like connected world, that never existed before plant medicine. I can feel a connection to people that when I am around certain people, I literally get physical shivers and sensations in my body when I feel that I am spiritually being led to connect with them on some level, talk with them about something, whatever, like, and I can't explain these things. And people will say to me too, like, wow, you're softer. Like, 
you're more at ease. Like you're not, it's like, I'm not ready to fight because I was in that fight or flight before. And it was this power thing and I had to be strong. Whereas now I'm just like, okay, you want to be upset? It's like, okay, (laughs) I'm just not ready to fight. I'm ready to hear people listen, um, be, be open so that I don't know everything. Yeah, um, what I heard, and uh, it may be premature, but it seems very clear to anybody that would be listening um, or, or reading this, um, is that you broke a pattern that was going to be pervasive in your future, and maybe in, it's in your daughter's future if you didn't break that pattern. And it wasn't easy. But now sort of like you got control uh not sorry the wrong word because that was the problem in the first place right (laughs) i couldn't control but i think maybe you know what is important to control and and things that you can let go of and let let know that there's something out there that's kind of taking care of you you it's like i don't have to control it anymore it's almost the opposite of what you where you went and i understand why you went there but it's almost like it's the opposite that i don't have to control anymore you just know yeah it's it's like a sense of um it's a things are happening right now i may not understand them i may not like them but know that i can sit with it and i will be okay because never did before i know i'd be okay if i sat with anything that i will be okay and that it will work out how it's meant to work out for my betterment so things i believe now are for me rather than to me like happen for me rather than happen to me. Yes. Like, can you right? imagine if all the good and all the bad things that happen in your life were there to help you evolve? And that's really the message of of the parables of plant medicine. Right. Is that we are all evolving. And if we don't decide on what we want to evolve to, things will force us into things we that'll feel kind of rough, but it is all a process of evolution um i want to thank you so much for taking the time with me for sharing your heart your stories with me i was blown away and speechless many times during the conversation 